Hey, this is Brent Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Subway, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And today, it is my distinct pleasure to be joined by one of my favorite Canadian musicians, bassist and co-founder of iconic band Spoons. It's Sandy Horn. Sandy, thanks so much for taking the time today. Well, thank you, Brent, for having us on, or having me on. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Well, you know, when uh, when we get back to normal, Maybe you, you and Gord can come in and uh, and maybe do a tune. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'm a big yeah. Spoons fan, as you know. And you know, you know what I I wanted to talk to you about actually being a big Spoons fan. So you know, most people know Spoons obviously for Romantic Traffic, those old emotions, Nova Heart. But Spoons started out originally as you guys did prog numbers and Genesis covers. Is that right? Yeah. Before we were Spoons, we were a band called Trist. Mm-hmm. And we were basically a basement band because <laughs> the songs were eight-minute epic songs that time signature changes, and you know it was very self-musically indulged. Yeah. <laughs> but from that, we took many of the little chunks that were really cool and formed the first spoon songs. Ah. We realized that maybe the eight-minute epic songs is not going to necessarily hit the radio, mm-hmm. and not everyone's going to get to hear us. So. Uh, we decide, well, we better make the songs shorter. And that's, we kind of came out at the end of the punk era. So people at first thought we were a punk band because of the era. Um, and that new wave was just starting to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of were on, you know, our first uh, 45 we put out, which was called, uh, after the institution and my job, mm-hmm. uh, we funded ourselves. It was kind of punkyish. Ah. At the Stick Figure Neighborhood, which was our first album, it started to get more, I guess, new wavy-ish. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like after our, uh, my job, I, I'm uh, barking in the background, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my singing part was barking. That's indie. That's that's really indie. That's as yeah, indie as and that's, that's what got Rob Proust interest, interested in joining the band. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Rob. He joined when he was 15, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He, he had to he had to get his mom to write him a note to for you guys to play in bars. Exactly. I thought that was so funny. He told me that. He um What is what's even funnier is that when we were out, out east, uh we were playing uh this bar. This is before we really hit big. It was kind of our first time out east. Mm-hmm. I think we we're somewhere in like Halifax or something like that. I'm not sure. Um but anyway, we played this bar and it was a strip bar oh. and we were going later in the evening so the girls were all backstage with us running around naked and there's rob 15 years <laughs> <laughs> in the bar back with ladies with no clothes on and their chests hanging out <laughs> oh his poor mom she probably didn't sign off for that oh she probably doesn't know about it <laughs> <laughs> that's great he never did tell me that i'm gonna have to wind him up about that He's he, yeah. he's been on the show, Sandy, like forty five times. He's, oh, wow. he's, he's he's a regular guest. He's a good guy. Yeah. So I always wanted to ask you a question about romantic uh-huh. traffic. So is it true that the do 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 parts were added just as a guide vocal? Is that true? Well, when Ford wrote the song, he couldn't come up with any other words, so he was just singing do 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 to himself and then saying romantic traffic. And when we were working with Niall Rogers. Gord was working frantically to try and fill the doot doot doots with words. And Niall said, No, just leave it. That's just that's the hook. Just the doot 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 do romantic traffic. You know, that was the hook. He says, No, that's the hook, man. Don't touch that. Like leave it. Don't put words there. <laughs> that is so great. 
Wow. I don't think a lot of people know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. So before we get into your songs here, we want to touch on two things. The first thing that I wanted to to tell you, I've always been a big fan. I very vividly remember meeting you in 1989 at a Spoon show that you guys did in Sudbury. And I was okay. a, a geeky fanboy. I nervously approached you for an autograph and, and <laughs> you could not have been more <laughs> gracious. You signed the back of my ticket stub that night. I was super thrilled. I put it up in my dorm room and, uh, you know, that was 1989. So all these years later, here we are. Yep. I do remember because <laughs> I have signed a few in my day. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> do you remember going, I mean, you guys have been everywhere across Canada. Do you, do you remember going through Sudbury at all? Oh, yeah. We played the University Super Pubs all the time. Yes. Yeah. Right from 82 all the way up to probably 89 was the last time we were in Sudbury. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Wow. So, Sandy, you guys are doing something right now in support of COVID-19, which I think is great, uh, in support of frontline workers. It's called Back to the Basement. You're doing this with a number of other international groups. Actually, you are the only Canadian group, which is really cool. What you're doing is giving a virtual concert performance from your home for this. Uh, I think it's abducted by the 80s, this group. Is that right? Yes, it is. Um, it's... Uh uh, if, you, if anybody wants to go to abductedbythe80s.com and, and you can subscribe to getting onto the show or you can just watch it on Facebook, it, it airs. It gives you the time zones when you go to the website, depending on where you are across Canada or the United States, because um, it's, it's coming out of California is where uh, Back to the Basement is, or Back to the 80s is really what it is. Originally, it was Gord was supposed to be playing live with Block of Seagulls this year for the 80s tour that these guys put together normally, but because of COVID, um, they were unable to do that. And then they thought, well, what could we do in replacement for it? And that's where they came up with this back to the basement playing in your own home and sending in the videos. Most most of them are done on pod, uh, like uh, little pod cameras and um, uh, GoPros and, and iPhones. Ah. For us, what we did is we got our sound man to bring his uh, digital board. I have a recording studio here, and Gord was in one end of the kitchen. I was in the dining room. So we're all properly spread out, you know, being yes, safe. Social distancing. Yeah. Uh, Scott McDonald, the keyboard player, was in my bedroom, and the drummer, Chris McNeil, was in the, uh, the living room. Wow. And we all had headphones on, like in ears, and we played live and did a streamline into the studio so we could properly mix it. And then my daughter walked through with her iPhone filming us. So it's constantly moving. So a lot of the times people do from home, they're just like that still square, you know, you watch you play. Mm -hmm. So they're actually moving like a video. So it's really quite cool the way it came out. Oh, that's, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. And that is on uh, Saturday. Is that right? 13th. So like I said, the website you'll see the different time zones so um if you're in eastern time i think it's two o'clock and the second segment is at 7 p.m mm -hmm. okay great i know a lot of my listeners are going to want to see that so that's awesome and you also knew we have a new album out right i do it came out uh march is that right march last year La march last year yeah so we're still uh, we actually have two uh videos that are are uh, for covid mm -hmm. uh, one was uh for landing lights uh was one of the songs and the other one is the actual title track new day new world Ah, okay. Good 40th anniversary. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I know, 1980. So Rob and Derek were supposed to come and do a lot of shows with us this summer, uh, but we're having to postpone it to 21, so we're just going to pretend 2020 never happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that the plan? Are you going to do that when COVID uh, blows over? Yeah, well, a lot of the festivals that have 
canceled have said we're just going to rebook for next year for the same lineup. So we're going to be able to save our shows that we've lost most of them. Yeah, that's great. Very good. We look forward to seeing that too. So your first song, Sandy, is uh, you told me before you sent the list over that this list was out there. I like these. This is great. Okay. There's a reason behind each one of them for me. You know, everyone has their own reasons, right? But um, my first one, my first influence through music was Over the Rainbow, uh, sung by Judy Garland. And I saw it in the movie, Wizard of Oz, and I was watching it. I was about four years of age. It was very distinct. It was very impressionable to me. And I just said, Daddy, Daddy, I want to do what she's doing. Ah. And I started following. And then... Uh, Judy Garland, and then I realized that she was actually close to my dad's age, and then I was horrified. (laughs) 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 That's when I went, oh, gee, you can actually have a long career in music, so then that's okay. Wow, so so would you count that as your inspiration? Judy Garland, Over the Rainbow, from the movie Wizard of Oz, and I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do what she's doing. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know what I'm going to be doing, hopefully singing, but I'm going to be on stage. That's what I said to myself. Ah, wow. That's fantastic. And here you are. That's great. I love that. Now, The Mamas and the Papas is next. California Dreaming. That's one of my favorite tunes. I really, really love this song. The first time I really got uh, the influence of harmonies that kind of really struck me. I mean, I would have only been, it came out in 65, I believe, but I think it. I probably had an impression when I was closer to six or seven years of age. So mm-hmm. I would have been like six or 67 but it was still being played on the radio and i was like i love the harmonies you know like the the sound the big big wide sounded like a choir to me yeah now i can hear it individually i can hear each person what they're singing but to me it was just one mass of sound and it just seemed like a big picture i could see the picture of the song in my head oh yeah you know and i want and all i wanted to do was figure out all the harmonies how were they doing that yeah, that was um, I, I. This song played in my house when I was a young kid too, and I just I found it very soothing. Those harmonies and those melodies are just fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, they're an amazing band. I mean, they've got a, a very strange history, but that's okay because that was part of the era. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Have you seen that uh, documentary that um, Jacob Dylan, Bob's son, has done recently? Yeah, I've, I've saw the first episode. I haven't seen the second. One. I've got it actually taped on my uh, uh, my channel. It's great. They, they do a little thing on Michelle Phillips in there. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. The song was written in New York, and she wanted to go to California, but every, all the bands at the time were in New York somewhere, and no one was going to L.A. yet. And she just kept saying, I want to I wanna go to California. Let's go to California. And that's, I guess, when the song was written. Mm-hmm. And I think it was wintertime, too, wasn't it? Winter in, in New York. Yeah. Very dull, and they were very bored. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, fantastic song. Great pick. Uh, the next one is from the movie Hair, Age of Aquarius. Yes, Fifth Dimension. And, you know, that one, for me, I can remember I was at my cousin's place for the weekend, and we were just hanging out, and her brother had a band, and he was learning the song. Like, I heard it on the radio, and he was learning the song, and my cousin and I decided we would be the backup singers. <laughs> kind of like my first song I learned to sing. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I would have been like, you know, eight years of age or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a rock star. I know I am. <laughs> it, it, we, you know, we fuzzed up our hair and I had long hair. So I was give me the thing with hair. And <laughs> <laughs> do, 
Now, after that, so you said you were eight years old. You know, when, when Spoons got started, I think you guys got started around 79, 78, 79, right? Uh, it was late November of 79, so we say 1980, really, by the time we had key, keyboards and drums. Yeah. Did you meet Gord at school, in high school? Yeah. I met Gord in high school. Um, well, it kind of leads into the next song, which I believe oh. is, uh, came out in 1971, but I met Gord in 75. Ah. But prior to that, um, in order for me to be playing guitar and, and even to coming up to playing bass, I was very influenced by a Led Zeppelin four album, uh, Stairway to Heaven. And I couldn't find the sheet music. And my girlfriend that I was telling you, um, my cousin girlfriend, because she's probably like a distant cousin, um, her brother gave me uh, his guitar. And it was a really rickety kind of Willie Nelson high uh, bridge, <laughs> hurt your hands like crazy. Um, and I learned to play Stairway to Heaven because I figured if I could learn that song, then I'd be able to play guitar. So I taught myself Stairway to Heaven. That's awesome. So then when I got to high school, um, I had already started taking up trumpet lessons, and I joined the, the school band, uh, high school band. It was junior high because I was only in grade nine. And then I was doing so well that the music teacher said, hey, we need a third trumpet player in the senior band. We don't normally ask grade nines to come into the senior band, but we really, really need you. And I said, okay. So I did, and lo and behold, I sat beside Gord. He was playing first sax, and I was playing first trumpet. So in the lineup, it goes one, two, three, one, two, three, right? Mm -hmm. I sat right beside him, and he was so shy. He never talked to me. And I would pretend that I was lost in the music. And I'd go, I'm lost. I don't know where I am in the song. And he'd just take his finger and point. <laughs> uh, that's great. On a, on a band trip to Armprior, Ontario, where we were performing for another high school, um, we went over a weekend into the beginning of the next week. Uh, there was two acoustic guitars on the bus. I brought mine, and Gord brought his. I didn't know he was a guitar player, and he was at the back of the bus with the boys. I was at the front of the bus with the girls doing folk songs and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And eventually the guitars got to the back of the bus, and this is the first time he really had a conversation with me. He said, here, can you play the root notes, root notes on the four lower strings of the acoustic guitar so I can do some lead? And uh -huh. I went, sure. So I just started like holding, you know, E, G, a, C, you know, pumping yeah. it as loud as I could on the acoustic guitar. And he had a band at the time called Impulse with the drummer in the high school band. Okay. Uh, and he said, you know, we need a bass player. Do you want to play bass for us? And I went, sure, I'll ask my dad when we get home. No way. And we rehearsed in a music store in the basement after hours. So for the longest time, I didn't have my own bass. So I just pulled a bass off the wall to play it for rehearsal. And that's how I learned about amps and basses before I even bought one. Really? Yeah. I would have never guessed that. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a cool story. <laughs> and then you guys were you guys were off and running. Yeah, and then from there, uh, that was about I was in the band for about a year, and then Gordon and I went off on our own. At that point in time, Gordon and I were just friends, and then eventually we became a relationship for a while as a boyfriend girlfriend. That's when he then came. This is the next uh, most influential song is The Lambs Lie Down on Broadway mm. uh, by Genesis. He was very much into Genesis, and he started teaching me different licks from uh, guitars and bass for Genesis, and that's how we formed the band Trist, and we got very indulged in doing kind of prog music, per se. How about that? Yeah. 
That is so cool. This is like a little retrospective of your musical career from inspiration all the way through to uh, probably your, your first Spoons gigs. Exactly. Like to me, everything, I mean, I'm sure everyone looks back in their life and realize where they are today that everything was a, like a fitted puzzle. At least that's what it feels like to me. And I can remember I bought my own bass that unfortunately got stolen at the, one of the first Spoons shows. Mm. <laughs> I was very upset. And uh, I bought the bass with some money that we won from a battle of the bands in Impulse. And it was, uh, I don't remember know if you remember Dave Marsden from CFMY. Yeah, of course. But uh, he, was, he was one of the judges, and I'd only been playing bass for six weeks. And he says, I'm going to be watching you guys. I think you're going to have a future ahead of you. And we didn't win, but we came second place, and we won a bunch of cash. And with that, I bought my bass. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, Back uh, with the Impulse days, I'd only been playing bass. I was walking with my, my bass. We had about a mile walk to get to the, where we rehearsed, and we were all walking together. Like an epiphany moment, walking around the corner. And I remember the color of the house and everything, and it just kind of like slow motion going, do, 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 do. And I went, oh, I'm going to be doing this for a really long time, playing bass. Cool. Wow. <laughs> and I was like 15 at the time. That's incredible. Just had like a, a, a I don't know what you know, a deja vu or epiphany of the no or something. Yeah. And uh, here I am 40 years later. Well, 45, actually. That is incredible. I first started playing the bass. Very inspiring. I love that story. Well, thank you. <laughs> very cool. So that is your song list. Thank you very much. Um, as I say, when this is over, I would love for you to uh, come back on, bring Gord and, uh, you know, play some live stuff. For sure. That'd be great. I know a lot of my listeners are Spoons fans, so they would love it too. Okay. And maybe awesome. we can maybe, maybe we can figure out a way to work uh, Rob Pruce in there somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that has been the problem with these platforms is they have this delay for actual doing live. So unless you pre-send a track, it has been very bumpy. There's like a two-second or a minute, second and a half delay or something. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was talking to a friend of mine about that and watching these things when they try to combine from, you know, multiple locations, there's a bit of a delay. So you almost as a musician have to try to anticipate that to make everything work properly. Yeah, when you're told teaching yourself to play in time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's why when we did our live at home thing, we didn't do it individually. We actually recorded from the same location in different rooms so at least we could hear each other <laughs> yeah that's good that is good now i'm looking forward to seeing that i think it's going to be great and I, yeah. I, I think it's really cool that you were the only canadian band on that roster yeah well it came through i think because of Gore being involved with the flock of seagulls and like i said these these guys were originally doing the 80s tours mm -hmm. that they do every year down in the states and a little bit in canada which includes the Flock of Seagulls and Wang Chung and all these people that are on the platform, uh, Naked Eyes, oh, the list goes on, Tiffany. And, uh, you know, Gore got talking to him and said, you know, that's great that it's, this is, you know, England, UK and, and United States, but you're li missing out Canada. How about the spoons? And he went, sure, we'll put you guys on too. So that's that was great. awesome. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. I will be watching. A number of my listeners will be as well. Thank you so much for making the time today. I appreciate it, Sandy. It's a personal pleasure of mine because, as I said, I'm a fan of yours, and uh, it was great to chat with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That's great. I can't wait to come back. Good. I have to get in competition with Rob now. <laughs> Rob's got like 39 shows on you. It's like he's on every month. Oh, okay. I got a lot of do, a lot to catch up on. <laughs> 
You know what, though? In all seriousness, it's impossible to pick five of these songs. I love the way that you did this because, as I said, it was like a retrospective three-year musical kind of career. But, you know, people say after the show, you know, I would love to come back because I have so many more songs I want to talk about that, you know, make my skin vibrate and, and, and mean something to me. So oftentimes guests will come back. You know, as I said, you, you are definitely welcome back. And, and if, if Gord comes along, great, but you're certainly welcome. Yeah, I can pass you if you got Gord's uh, contact because I'm sure he'd love to do this too. Oh, great. Okay, well, I'll reach out to him. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to chat with him. Very cool, Sandy. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. You have a great day. All right, you too. Thank you. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Sandy Horn. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.